Welcome back to American Scene, the show where we talk about movies with American in the title and what they have to say about American identity, culture, and values. My name is Ben Rosen. I'm Alan Austin. If you have anything you want to say about the show, any of our previous episodes, or anything we cover today, please connect with us on Twitter at AmericanScene underscore, or send us an email at AmericanScenePod at gmail.com, also on Instagram at AmericanScenePod. This week, we are launching a synaptic blocker that will make it impossible for you to turn off this podcast as we talk about the last days of American crime. (laughs) I just gotta say... (laughs) I'm really upset that this was on the list. Like, I wish they could just call it The Last Days of Crime, because then we wouldn't have to watch it, to be quite honest with you. It was not good. And and it's not just us jumping on the bandwagon of, like, mass opinion. It's that opinion for a very good reason. Whether it's the self-indulgent two-and-a-half-hour runtime, the lazy, lazy attempt at a story masked by what they think is cool violence— it's just a really bad experience. However, I know you're pumped to talk about some of the things you did take away from this film. Yeah, at its heart, there is an interesting idea there. Like, I'm in for basically any heist movie. Like, I think that's fun. I, I loved Den of Thieves, Ocean's Eleven. I just watched Thief the other day. Heat. Like, there's plenty of ideas that could have been interesting in this. Very, very poorly executed. This film wants to be eight movies in one. There's way too many characters that we're supposed to care about. And I don't care about any of them, to be quite honest with you. And I think if you want to do an Orwellian kind of story and a heist movie and a love triangle and a family drama, you got to make it a series. You know, if Netflix is going to be behind all these cool projects, there's no reason this couldn't be a 10 episode series Not that I would watch it, not that I think it would be any better, but my God, you are dragging out this film. There were like two sex scenes in the first 30 minutes. You don't need all this stuff. Like it it was just jam packed with stuff. They were trying to make a million points. They make about two clear ones. And other than that, it's just it's just a literal free for all. Yeah, one of my thoughts halfway through was like this should have been a series and it's based on so so let me give a little bit of background on this film this is a 2020 netflix film directed by olivier megaton who directed transporter 3 taken 2 and 3 and a couple other films um written by carl gaduzik I want to say, I want to say Gaduzik, who wrote Oblivion, The November Man, and the upcoming The Kingsman, Kingsman prequel. So we know he's got some talent. I mean, this, this guy can write, I think, being saddled with the responsibility of cramming a three-issue comic book series into one two-and-a-half-hour movie was a tall order. Uh, this stars Edgar Ramirez, Anna Brewster, Michael Pitt, and Charlotte Copley. It notably stands at 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 15 on Metacritic. And there's so much we're going to talk about the world building, but I want to just, I actually wrote out the synopsis as clearly as I could. In fact, the synopsis on IMDb doesn't even indicate the heist. Like, it just gives the world building. It just gives, like, the the auspices under which the story takes place. So, in the not-too-distant future, as a final response to terrorism and crime, the U.S. government plans to broadcast a signal 
making it impossible for anyone to knowingly commit unlawful acts. With a bounty on his head after a robbery gone wrong, this is me writing this, and reeling after the news of his brother's mysterious death in prison, Graham Brick is recruited by the black sheep son of the wealthy and powerful Dumois family, Kevin Cash, and his fiancée Shelby to pull off one massive final heist and make it across the Canadian border. That was better written than this film. Yeah, yeah. See, at its heart, there's like an interesting idea there, and I feel like if they just did the heist and didn't worry about all this other stuff in the surrounding area that they get into, I just, it could have been cool. Could have been cool. You can chop off the entire, uh, what's the family name? Dumois. Dumois, Dumois, but I think at some point, I think at some point Shelby says Dumois, and I'm like, aren't you engaged to this guy? (laughs) You don't know his last name? (laughs) To be fair, he uses a stage name, but... Um, okay, you can cut out all the Dubois family drama. That can all be gone. Like, goodbye that whole thing, which is some of the most ridiculous storytelling. Because the whole cold open, it's, it's, <laughs> all right, we don't want to dig deep into how this movie doesn't make sense. The movie doesn't make sense in any way, shape, or form. They do twists and turns for the sake of twists and turns. There's no logical character development. And to be honest with you, all of these actors are mailing it in completely. Even Michael Pitt, who's at least trying something. It just feels like the most surface-level attempt at a character that you could get in this realm. And if the actors don't care, why should we? If there's not a lick of passion on film, why should we care? Yeah. Combine that with this wildly all over the place tale, and you've got just a waste of two and a half hours. But Ben, if I had to say that there's one thing to take out of this film, it's the concept of a police state and just the overall good versus bad morality plateau this movie looks to reach. And on its surface, in a different film, that could be a very intriguing story to tell. Yeah, I mean, this is not the only story that attempts to kind of tease out where America could go in a post-9-11 America, in a, you know, dystopian sense, government overreach. You said Orwellian for sure, and you're actually using that word correctly when a lot of people don't. I want to just list out, I listed out all of the elements of the world building that I could remember. Because, and there's a lot of them. I mean, that's again, when we talk about this should have been a series, these are all of the elements of the film that are introduced of this world. One year prior was the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil. We don't get any details as to what happened, who was responsible, or how many people were killed. We also get the sense that, like, things were already bad, so... I don't know why this tipped things, you know, tipped the scales towards, like, full government overreach. I don't know, but six months ago was the first use of the signal coincidentally used to briefly stop Brick and his crew from robbing a bank. The government, as we start the film, is in final stages of testing of the API signal, stands for the American Peace Initiative, making it impossible for anyone to perform an act they know to be unlawful is how they describe it in the film. The API is described as a signal that acts as a synaptic blocker, making it impossible for anyone to perform an act they know to be unlawful. 
Once live, the API signal promises to influence criminal activity on a national scale. You have to have the knowledge that this act is unlawful in order for this to work. So I guess if you didn't know that murder wasn't a crime, uh, you could do it. And then the film goes on to say, promises to influence criminal activity on a national scale. In these last days before the API goes into effect, it's bedlam. There's brawling in the street. There's a girl stripping on top of a car. There's an armed robbery in broad daylight. Uh, the female voiceover, who I think is Shelby, but I don't think it ever says who it is, which is strange. Um, one week left to make your own choices one week before the government takes the wheel. All money illegally obtained will be useless, so politicians are offering amnesty to criminals of all kinds, but specifically white-collar criminals, to repatriate their money uh, at a lower exchange rate. So if you've got, like, illegal offshore accounts or things like that, you can bring your money back to America uh, and uh, it, will be, it will be valid U.S. currency. Um, police are going to turn over their weapons... And I guess those who want to stay on as police can get an API inhibitor so the signal doesn't affect them. But then, like, why do police even exist if this is making the argument that, like, they'd be unnecessary? Uh, and we're basically in temporary martial law. Uh, the Canadian border is heavily guarded. People are shot dead as they try to run across. Uh, leaving the country any other way is illegal. For some reason, uh, the news mentions the Air Force shooting down a basketball star's private plane. And there are clashes between pro-API nationalists and protesters. So that's all going on in the background. Unfortunately, in the foreground. <laughs> well, it, it, the foreground, you know, is the heist story and this, like, family drama. And, you know, we, I don't think for the nature of our conversation we really need to get into any of that. We should talk about what we have experienced in America after the worst terrorist attack in U.S. history, right, 9-11, um, and, and what we've seen in this country and what changes it's gone through. Well, first, we were in seventh grade when this happened, correct? Seventh or... I was definitely in seventh. I was either in sixth or seventh, yeah, sure. In the aftermath, all I saw was extreme patriotism. As I learned more, as I got a little older, you realize airport security has stepped up. You realize... Uh, FBI's most wanted list features a whole litany of names you had never heard of before. Like certain people, Osama bin Laden, became very famous. Like there was this overall culture change, I would say. I would say what closely resembles this film is nothing's as extreme, it seems, as what this film's going for. So I can't really say that I can relate to the themes of this film the closest I would say I can relate to is the COVID-19 pandemic when it first started and you were kind of under the suggested stay-at-home orders. A lot of things were closed, this, that, and the other thing. That was, the, that was even even closer, I'd say, feeling that the government controlled what you were able to do more so than post-9-11. And don't get me wrong, when it came to COVID, I was all for... Let's stay home. Let's figure this out. And it has nothing to do with that. I'm just saying if I wanted to go out, I wasn't able to go where I, want, where I usually went. I'll put it that of way. Of course, of course. I think one thing that you saw post 9-11 was what you see in this film, which is the unity between both political parties to enact certain legislation, to go to war, to provide certain powers to the president, which, you know, we can get into whether or not something like what happens in the film would actually be taken on by both parties equally. Um, but everyone from both sides 
uh, for the most part, signed on to the, the war in Afghanistan, signed on to the war in Iraq, signed on to um, certain things that were done in the name of our safety, right? Uh, so I do see that. I definitely do see that parallel. Yeah, the Patriot Act, uh, right? Which stands for, and I did not know this. Did you know what the USA Patriot Act stood for? It's an acronym, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. Wild. It, but it gave law enforcement agencies broad powers to investigate, indict, and bring terrorists to justice. It also led to increased penalties for committing and supporting terrorist crimes, chiefly designed to lower the probable cause threshold for obtaining intelligence warrants against suspected spies, terrorists, and other enemies of the U.S., um, it deters or, or says, you know, is intended to deter and punish terrorist attacks in the United States and abroad through enhanced law enforcement and strengthened money laundering prevention. It also allows the use of investigative tools designed for organized crime and drug trafficking prevention for terrorism investigations. Uh, this according to a link that I'll, sh I'll throw in the description. So that's one thing that a lot of people, uh, you know, there's that great moment in The Departed when Alec Baldwin, it was it Alec Baldwin grabs uh, one of the guys in the room, he's like, Patriot Act, Patriot Act, you know? Patriot Act, Patriot Act, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> so definitely gave law enforcement this broader reach than it had had before. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think you're giving this, we're here to talk about the f the film, right? Above all else, we're here to talk about how the film relates to those themes, ideas, and that's great to discuss on its own. You and I could talk about that all day, but how does this film replicate that stuff with the chip in the head, right? So you want to talk about the police getting this 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 chip in their head? I didn't, that wasn't something I picked up on, but I think... Well, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a good point because there are things like that in existence now. Right, you could chip your pet. You could microchip a baby, I think. I don't know. Well, you can microchip employees, too, for certain things that, like, within a certain uh, distance from, like, a door in a facility, they'll be able to access uh, certain rooms, certain levels of certain things. Like, this was this was stuff that you had, like, 20 years ago as, like, looking into mm. the future, but, but there were news reports about that a couple of years ago. I once had a job that we got our own cell phone. We had to keep it on so they knew where we were at all times. You know, it, it's... On this level in this film, we're talking about a situation where the government essentially controls morality, right? And who are they who are crooked within themselves, as blatantly pointed out in this film? How are they to judge what is right or wrong? And one of the big questions I had from this film, which may have been answered, I had a lot of trouble reading between the lines at times. Are they going to continue to be crooked after this is enacted? Well, that is a point that's brought up in the film very, very briefly. One of the only moments when I found myself understanding and agreeing with a point that they make in the movie is when Kevin and Brick go to see his dad. And Kevin refers to them as the real criminals, the real gangsters. And Kevin's dad says he bought a bank, uh, you know, went legit and can now give a credit card to some idiot in Arkansas or something like that at a 25% interest rate. And when he can't pay, he can take his farm. Something along those lines kind of disappointed pops I, mean, I thought you would have some kind of roman orgy going on with your fucking sheep nah i'm 100 percent american legit honest i own the bank 
No more busting kneecaps for 10% on the streets. We issue credit cards and charge some fuckhead farmer from Arkansas 25%. If you don't pay, I send in the U.S. Marshal and take his home. It takes a big man to uh, exploit the poor. <laughs> Who thought it would be so easy? So ultimately, that's a good point. Uh, the film isn't making strongly enough that all the rich people, all the politicians can just make certain things legal and continue to enrich themselves while everyone else starves um, and thus can't commit crimes to survive as the film assumes that they already do. Uh, so, yeah, that that's a good point. If we're giving all of this control over to the government and then the government has the control to enact certain laws, make things illegal, make certain things legal, then what's to prevent them from... Uh, corrupting this system right like who's the check and balance there isn't one it's just a free it's the wild west politics now is close to being the wild west but in this society in this world creating this film it's the wild west and it would be kind of darwinistic where if you are not willing to do what it takes you'll be weeded out by the bad guys so to speak like if you're not willing to play ball you'll be kicked out of the game that's the vibe I got. Like, because there's that one crooked politician guy who's got the tie. He talks like this. I don't have any idea what his character name is. This film takes place in Detroit, too, which, you know, of course, American City has had tough times. I mean, it makes sense, but I have no idea what kind of accent that guy was doing. <laughs> it's hard to focus because our job here, we can have great open discussions, but we still have to pull it back to the movie. So I think. There's this whole subplot, which we have to talk about if we're going to talk about this stuff, where you have a cop who's got a checkered past. He had a family, no longer has his family. You don't really say he, he shot somebody. That's what we get. He is on desk duty and he wants the good behavior chip. I don't know what else to call it, the API chip. Yeah, it seems to inhibit the signal from getting into him. So I guess he would still be able to commit crimes. Go for I it. I couldn't keep up. Well, I think... I couldn't keep up. Yeah, I... I I think the reason that some police are getting the chip is because they would need to be able to potentially shoot someone or use excessive force if they if they right. needed to. But but theoretically, all these cops only use it when it's called for, which you would think would clear their conscience morally and allow them to do it anyway. So I think with this particular character, I don't know his name. I don't think it's ever they may have said it once when he shoots the hobo who got into the police station looking for, for <laughs> I can't get through this. <laughs> he looks like Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys. This guy who kills a person in the police station and everyone's just like, go home. <laughs> like, well, we're, yeah. We're... But, but my overall point, which I didn't get to yet, is you have this cop guy who is part of the controlling governing system, able to get around it, cops get to do whatever they want the government gets to do whatever they want it all hits you in the face as hard as possible throughout the entire film so they go at it from the cops point of view they go at it from the criminals point of view they go at it from the politicians point of view they go at it from everybody's point of view there's a lot that happens in two and a half hours yeah we definitely don't like the cop character because especially at the end of the movie he's like trying to take advantage of the shelby character like assaulting her i mean he it starts with him just stopping her from actually committing a crime and then it becomes something else which i i think something you mentioned earlier is 
something I was going to bring up later in terms of poking holes in all the world building, but it's like there's a difference between criminality and morality because mm -hmm. morality, I think there is a central morality by which most people abide uh, and most people understand to be like guiding moral principles you know whether you want to take that biblically uh they mentioned jesus uh which was a, a line in the film uh the government playing jesus which implied to me that this was more about morality and in terms of what people actually uh how you might actually be able to affect people's morality is in the certain parts of the brain whereas i don't think you could affect somebody's understanding that something is illegal so when it comes to this this cop's behavior at the end of the movie, I feel like the signal should still be able to stop him from doing something that's immoral before, you know, it stops him from doing something that would be illegal. Yeah, and one of the problems with this film is they don't set clear boundaries as to what the capabilities of this are because it was very confusing. The Michael Pitt character can will himself to not be affected by it, and that made no sense. So it's very hard to keep up with what they're exactly going for when they do not set boundaries on the plot devices. Like, And you got the whole subplot of no one's allowed to leave the country. When was that established that no one can leave the country? Like, I would leave the country. Like, when was there a deadline that if you don't leave America by January 8th, when the API chip goes off on February 8th, a month beforehand, you will no longer be allowed to leave the country and you must prepare for the chip. They never establish any of this. So it's hard for us to be like, okay, I get it. Here's the chess pieces. Let's see how they move around the board. Well, we don't know what piece does what. It's very hard to, to focus in on this film storytelling when you don't know the rules. Yeah, well, they do lock themselves into the rule that it's about knowingly committing unlawful acts. So it's about having that knowledge. It's not about morality. So that's also strange because, as you said, like laws change from state to state, from city to city. Uh, you know, laws can change um, and somebody might not be aware of it. Uh, you know, and what's the severity of the crime that would be stopped? Can I no, no longer cross the street because it's jaywalking? Would I just be like paralyzed in place uh, and not be able to do it? So it's, yeah, it raises all these questions that like, how far would this signal actually go? But if you boil it down, we're just sort of talking about the government's ability to put a program in place that is this restrictive. And when you mentioned COVID earlier, they weren't able to do that. You know, uh, mask mandates, as far as I understand, are not like binding legally. Uh, I know in some places you can get fined for things, but it's not like you're going to jail. Uh, you know, you probably won't even get a ticket, but there is the threat of that. I don't know of anybody who's, who's ever gotten a ticket for like littering would you be paralyzed if you were driving down the highway and you wanted to throw something out your window i don't know but uh i just wanted to briefly mention you know a couple other things that have come into effect over the past 20 years and things that we've seen more often that do resemble things in this film you've got the whole nsa spying scandal uh widespread uh secret surveillance by the nsa the whole snowden deal uh and police militarization uh and use of force i mean when you had tanks in Ferguson, Missouri, and riot police out in full force, uh, people in Portland, you know, being pulled by unidentified agents into unmarked vans. You even have uh, these new military uh, weaponry like LRAD, long-range acoustic device, which is kind of similar to the API in that it's a sonic weapon. Uh, extremely high decibel capacity, 
used as a less lethal weapon for crowd control. So could potentially, uh, you know, incapacitate somebody. Um, you also have heat rays, uh, called an active denial system, non-lethal directed energy weapon designed for area denial, perimeter security, and crowd control works by heating the surface of targets such as the skin of targeted human beings. So there is some scary stuff that, that does, you know, that is comparable to stuff you see in this film. And let's not rule out the cell phone itself, you know, that keeps tabs on you. Every, everything, it's so funny that people think they go off the grid when, you know, we, you and I right now could say Entenmann's Donuts and we'll look at our phones and there will be a targeted ad for Entenmann's Donuts. Like, I, I don't know how they don't solve more crimes just generally based on our cell phones alone but that's an extreme example but i get what you're saying and we're really making this film sound smarter than it is by having these discussions and i really want a more intelligent carefully put together film to start to sort of tackle these things like i'd love to get this exact story never mind a similar story told by comp no offense this is not a competent film so in a competent manner with proper care and exploration that makes sense because this film doesn't throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks it just hurls stuff around and doesn't know like it doesn't follow where it lands it doesn't know if it's stuck because it started looking the other way and focusing on something else i think there was a very interesting moment where that the bad guy cop he wants to get back out on the road and the cop is just like yeah so you get the commentary of you know the bad apples, so to speak, continuing on the job and not really facing any repercussions. Like, it, there's a lot being said in this film that is very important and interesting that just falls completely flat in these circumstances. And it doesn't, as you said, it, it doesn't play by its own rules. I don't think it, no. it fully understands the world building that it has established and assumes that crime only means murder. Yes. That, that, that's very strange. Um and I wonder if the radical publishing company had a lot of say in how this movie, because, you know, they have the opening title card with radical. And no one's ever heard of radical before. So radical publishing, the the guy who created it, he gets a writer credit. And I don't know if it's just because of the source material or because they brought him in to like work with Carl. I don't know. But it seems like there were a lot of creative heads bashing into each other and ultimately i get the feeling that one got their say because a lot of it doesn't make sense and it all feels the same one thing i you also mentioned was uh the travel ban which kind of comes out of nowhere uh, but they do mention in the news the supreme court like upholding a travel ban which actually happened uh just a couple of years ago with the uh the with trump's muslim ban the supreme court did uphold that uh so uh, you know, that's obviously for predominantly Muslim populated countries coming into America versus us being able to leave. And I guess just to wrap up this part of the conversation, I think what I want to ask is, uh, are we closer to API, closer to the government taking steps to protect the country in the, you know, in the name of safety to do certain things to uh, reduce crime in the name of safety than to something like defunding the police, to taking all of the influence that the federal government can have uh, and 
put it into communities that need it to to target what potentially creates crime. I don't think so. I don't. I, I think we're moving in a more progressive direction. Uh, but maybe we are just one massive terrorist attack away from this happening. I, it's it's it can be hard to say because no one expected nine eleven and everything that came after that. So yeah, it's tough. It's hard to predict the future. A right. It's also hard to change the status quo in this country. It does take something absolutely bonkers, like a pandemic, like a big terrorist attack, and obviously not just a domestic terrorist attack, like something that will attract the politician's attention to get certain change done. And, you know, the defund the police, I think a lot of people misunderstand what it's what defunding the police is. They think it's this grand gesture to take all the money out of the police force. No, it's not. It's about using the appropriate funds where and when necessary. I think, first of all, we in this country, we read headlines. We do not read articles. And people base their opinions on headlines solely. They don't have facts. And, you know, I've been guilty of not reading every article that I should or or looking into something I should. But I also don't go spewing my thoughts out in public unless I fully researched or explored a topic. That being said, getting away from all the smoke and mirrors, real change only happens in this country seemingly when it's forced to, but when it's too late. You know, the foresight is never there. You know, it's because it changes the status quo, which we don't like to do in this country. People has not even if it has nothing to do with politics, people do not like change. Right. You could say that our our country specifically for the vast majority, let's say middle to upper class, the hardships are nothing compared to, let's say, other countries or lower economic people. They don't like change because they live pretty decent lives. It's hard to convince people change is needed when they don't feel it personally. And that's what I mean when I I know it's a roundabout way of saying that something drastic needs to happen for change to occur. Well, that's something actually that I thought of was what's missing in this film is any character. You know, you get some of the debate in like these news clips and things like that. But what you don't get is any character saying, you know, I'm not a criminal, so this isn't going to affect me. And you know, why should you be worried if you're, you know, stopped by the cops uh, if you have nothing to hide, right? You see that argument a lot out there uh, in terms of, you know, all the conversation that's taken place over the past year. If you have nothing to hide, if you're not a criminal, then why should this matter? Why, you know, this isn't going to affect you. Right. And that's just that argument, that debate is not in the movie at all. I think this film would benefit greatly from a different lead character. Maybe somebody who's unjustifiably considered a criminal. Maybe somebody who got a, who did something that they went to jail for at one time that was in like self-defense or just something vague but good guy vague. Like, you know they're not a bad person. Like the character we've got here, Brick, he's not a great guy. So I think this story would benefit from a lead character who has been harassed or dealt with the law before and can really come out on top and how he deals, he or she deals, he, she, or they deal with the cops going forward now that they have a checkered past and a check and balance and something sort of put in place and the conflict there. I think that would have made a much better story. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense because the backstory for for Brick is that like he hears that in prison the guards killed his brother so he's going to take revenge by stealing money from like 
a bank. Yeah, a politician. A politician. I don't know. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know, like he's getting back at them. I'm putting that in air quotes. Like it's framed as revenge, but like, how is that revenge? I, I, I don't if you're get not, it. If you're not getting revenge on the people who physically killed him, what's the point? Yeah. And it's like, well, he needs this money he was going to get from this robbery to get across the Canadian border. I'm like, why do you need money to get across the Canadian border? It doesn't even mention that. It's like, just go. Go like, and get why a job. Are you just like, <laughs> why do you have to do this? Just go. Start a new life. Like, whatever. Yeah. So let's, I, I started getting down this rabbit hole now. So let's, let's poke holes in the world building as it is. Uh, so... Again, what was the terrorist act that set this off? Like, if it was only a year ago, why is no one talking about it? Like, we didn't invade Iraq until 2003. Like, we were definitely still talking about 9-11 for several years after this. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, um, when the API is used on Brick in The Robbery Gone Wrong six months before the events of the movie, they're frozen in place for a moment but then they're able to flee the scene of the crime with the money so they're still able to carry out the robbery (laughs) how long did the api last where was it even like generated from like locally speaking why was it able to hit them and like nobody else in the vicinity and also like if it were able to be deployed as needed why didn't they just do that you know like why did they it have to be like a national thing um Cops would never give up their guns to federal government ju- jurisdiction. They just that just wouldn't happen. Like the unions are too strong. Um, who's fleeing the U.S. and why? Like the film right. is automatically implying that people are fleeing a country that will make criminality physically impossible, so they can be free to commit crimes in Canada. Does and in that case, are we supposed to feel bad for them when they get shot or not? I'm so confused. Right. Like if it was all about like wanting to maintain your freedom, but it's freedom to commit crime. Like the the, the film just doesn't frame that well enough to be like, these are the kind of people who are leaving. And then it's like, well, okay, congrats, Canada. You just inherited a bunch of like a bunch of criminals. Like, right. <laughs> let them go it, it, i guess but why are you stopping why do you want the criminals to stay and maybe maybe it was a deal that the u.s struck with canada like we won't let people go into canada and commit crimes so we have to like shoot them i guess i don't know yeah one thing i have a big problem with is the the graham brick character in general is just so bad like okay first of all you could tell that it was like all right we got edgar ramirez well should we rewrite any of the script to cater to him nah Will Schwarzenegger this. Give him a really American goofy name. Like, if you ever look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's character names in movies, they're amazing. They're amazing. And Graham Brick for Edgar Ramirez is right up there. Well, also, Graham Brick was the name from the source material. And it was supposed to be Sam Worthington. Originally, he was attached to the film. Uh, Australian also maybe would not have done great with uh, the Midwest Detroit uh, dialect. but, uh, But yeah. The Graham character himself. It's just so all over the map. First of all, he doesn't have more than one emotion in the entire film. His level stays at a 2 out of 10 the entire time. No matter what he's saying, no matter what he's doing, it's just a 2. He doesn't leave that spot. It's a very monotone, boring performance in your lead role of a two and a half hour movie. So I don't know what he was going for. I don't know what he was directed to do. It's just a giant miss. And then the other characters, like, they just throw twists and turns for no reason. Uh, 
And then you've got the Shelby character, who at every twist and turn is a double agent, or is dating both guys, or is doing this, or is doing that. And you can't keep her intentions. Like, there's this underlying theme of her making everybody guess. Like, everything she does is a game, and it's so hard to read her. She's very easily fooling Brick whenever she wants to. The guy falls for the first thing anybody in this movie says. The guy is wanted by a crime family, and a strange woman comes up to him in a bar, and he's just gung-ho to go off with her. Uh, a, a, a long-haired, wild-man criminal comes up to him with a plan, and he's all for it, even though there's a crime family chasing him. It's just a lot of lazy writing for what I believe they think is cool I don't know. There's a lot wrong with this film. Not to mention, there's that whole scene where they go and infiltrate the big boss, Kevin Cash's dad's crime syndicate's hideout slash mansion slash compound. It's heavily guarded. They have to get through a wild security man who later comes back in. Whatever. It's it's heavily guarded. They are killing and exploding every vault in the house and people, and they get out. You've got the Canadian border which has left many bodies in its wake. They have an 18-wheeler, wide open, full of cash. They get through. There's, the rules are so loosey-goosey, man. It's just so ridiculous. Well, one of the cliches I think they overuse is, if I duck under the window, then bullets can't hit me, uh, which I, I just love. Uh, but let's, yeah, poking more holes in the world building. Uh, does sound not travel across the border? Uh, I guess it's like cell service where it just like cuts out once you get across because it's, it's not, it's towers. It's not satellites, which is strange because satellites, that would make sense in any case. Um, if an act by the U S government were going to cause mass migration out of America, they wouldn't do it. Like that's just not politically smart at all. If you want a country, you should probably have people. Um, the political discussion which you don't really see. I don't know where, like it says pro-API nationalists versus protesters, it, but you don't get into actually like who the politicians are who like voted this thing into into effect. But to compare it to our world, Democrats are the big government party, but wouldn't endorse such an extreme anti-crime measure. The tide has definitely turned since like the 1994 crime bill when, you know, Democrats wanted to be tough on crime. And Republicans are all about guns and individual freedom, or at least they claim to be, and and very pro-police. So they wouldn't go for this either. So, like, who made this happen, you know? Makes no sense. It, it, it doesn't get into a political debate, and it implies that it was because of this terrorist act. But again, like, logically, this wouldn't be the next step. No. There's also the really giant glaring problem, and that's Michael Pitts—sorry, credited as Michael Carmen Pitt. Michael Carmen Pitts— character motivation in this entire film makes the not a lick of sense after we get to the twist at the end where he turns on brick because he killed brick's brother i I don't know what was going on there yeah well he could have gone to get anybody to do this highest why did it have to be him so yeah that's definitely a question but uh, so you mentioned there's a hit out on brick from the most powerful crime boss happens to be (laughs) this guy's dad um and he's just like walking free for six months walking around with no problem i i think with the backstory that she gets shelby's actually the most interesting character like she should be the protagonist of the film you you know you're talking about different characters like she's definitely the most interesting one in this version Um, and i liked her more as the film went along like i grew to like her 
especially after they introduce that her motivation and being a double agent is the sister who I don't know why they have the sister or why they threaten the sister, but they have the sister. And the only real big like this is a nitpicky. We can get we can get into more nitpicks in the uh, mini so we'll tease it for that because I've got some more nitpicks with this movie in general. Yeah, I think instead of getting too far down that rabbit hole, because I, I you know, want to be mindful of our listeners' time. We, we've spent so much time <laughs> talking about a, a movie that we didn't we didn't like very much. Uh, I just want to go back and see if there was anything else that I wanted to mention. No, I think I think I covered it all from my end. So why don't we take this into our American moments? We're playing our song. Kick, kick things off for us. What do you got, Alan? This movie is not subtle in any way, shape, or form. There's a moment where Brick is recruiting his friend to join the job with them. And in the background is a torn up American flag flapping in the distance. And my American moment would be that right there as like, you know, a very obvious symbolism of, first of all, if we counted the amount of American flags in this film, if we took a shot every time we saw an American flag in this film, we'd be wasted like gonzo. So that in itself, just all the American flags, so obvious, so on the nose, very American. I was literally, I, I wrote down, let's just do a drinking game where you take a shot every time there's a flag in the background because it, it happens so often. Uh, we have another dive bar uh, with an American flag on the wall. We had an uh, American heart. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh, a chrome-plated Hummer. A chrome-plated Hummer just, uh, yeah, peak. Peak like 2008 America. Uh, great. Uh, a red, white, and blue jacket with the number 69 on it that Shelby wears. I thought I was going to bring that up in the mini sode because I would I applaud it. <laughs> Great. But but while we're on it, you have your emotional finale where she I don't know how she got the ashes of the brother. No clue, but she's pouring his ashes out in the lake. They <laughs> zoom in on her and she's got a jacket that says 69 on it. It's a little stupid. It's a little distracting for that big emotional moment. But I I definitely caught the jacket because how could you not? Yeah, that's not the only time also that you see like the red and blue coloring. In she's wearing like a red jacket with blue jeans and like a kind of a light blue or a white shirt. I, I couldn't tell. Uh, in another scene, uh, the lights in the Lido bar are red and blue. Uh, Shelby's name, famously a type of Ford Mustang. So there's that. Uh, and then the line, uh, "Hey John Wayne." And Kevin says, fuck John Wayne. He's dead. Yeah. He's like, she says, uh, which I thought was actually kind of funny. She says, what, you don't want to be John Wayne? He says, he's dead. Hey, John Wayne. John Wayne. Fuck John Wayne. You jealous? He's dead. I was like, that's, that's actually kind of funny. I wouldn't want to be John Wayne either. No, no. <laughs> This movie, my my rating, um, since there were what my American moment, it was pretty easy to come up with a rating for this one. I give it one half of a tethered and torn American flag. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I did also just before I say my rating, I do enjoy the intertextuality of using Charlotte Copley in another movie about a near future dystopia. This District Nine is. I, I, 
District 9 is great. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen District 9. I actually haven't seen District 9 since it came out, but uh, but obviously that's the like that's the one everybody loves, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I give this zero inexplicably high-tech trailer homes. Yeah, what the heck is that? The whole bit when she's like printing money and is like, you have to hack HP, which is actually harder than hacking the government. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean hack HP? <laughs> what is this? What is happening here? She has almost like a like a Tony Scott movie setup in her trailer, and it just makes no sense. And uh, he, she goes, just don't burn the money. What is the first thing that happens when someone gets the money? They burn it in not enough time for him to even get away. <laughs> like, yeah, and like, why? Why was that your instinct? Because it didn't. <laughs> Did he know that there's a very specific kind of fake that you can only tell when it's burning? Well, right. The story, it's not like in the story he was like, now let me just make sure that this is valid U.S. currency by by lighting it on fire. That, that, he didn't that's not, hold it up to the light. No, no. He just like decided to. Like there was no, there, he just accepted the fact that this guy was turning in all this money. Whatever. There, it, it's Not to mention a lot of the action scenes make no sense either. Uh, Michael Pitt shooting from underneath the car without even seeing where he's shooting and getting every guard. Like, yes, very nonsense. storm, very stormtrooper-esque. Uh, uh, the cops can't hit anything. Um, I'll link, you, you mentioned the action scenes not making any sense. Uh, because he directed Taken 3, there is a very famous cut. Jumping you, the fence? Jumping the fence. We'll make sure to link that in the in the Twitter or the Instagram. But yeah, the like six or seven cuts with Liam Neeson jumping over a fence. It's the best. Yeah, so that's that's amazing. Um, that's a wrap on the last days of American crime. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating. Leave a positive review. You can give us your unfiltered opinion on Twitter at American Scene underscore. And if you'd like to follow either of your patriotic co-hosts, I'm Ben Rosen on Twitter at NotThatBenRosen. I'm Alan Austin at Alan underscore Austin underscore. And we'll see you next time.